0: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. I'm one of your co hosts, Michelle B. Griffin. And I'm Michelle J. Raymond, the other half of Michelle Squared. And
1: Michelle, there's a saying that goes, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Pretty common. And I think it actually applies to LinkedIn as well, because I feel like as much as we love LinkedIn, as much as this is a LinkedIn branding show, I don't think it needs to all be about LinkedIn. And I'm pretty sure you've got an opinion on this one.
0: Oh, you're right, because one of my favorite things is you've got to diversify your visibility streams. Just like you diversify your revenue streams, hopefully, you've got to diversify where you're seen and where you show up online. LinkedIn is the perfect place, especially in our space, B2B. It's a tool, it's a platform, but it's, as I always say, your launching pad. It's where the fish are You'll find the people, but you can go out and get other places being seen, heard, recognized, and just keep entirely growing your brand that way. So today, I think we should really talk about some of the ways you and I do that and some of the best tips that we can recommend for people to not put all their eggs in the LinkedIn basket.
1: And I think when I look at it, do I think that I'm scared that LinkedIn's going to disappear overnight? I'm not. Am I worried that I'll lose my account? Not really. Like none of those things are triggering for me. But there is like an algorithm which I have no control over. But the reason that I diversified where I show up, and we'll talk about some of these different places, is that I just got sick and tired of my content disappearing down the toilet, so to speak. The post would last 48 hours, 72 hours. Da da gone again. I was like, I can't keep putting this much effort into things that just disappear. So that was one of my initial drivers to be seen in other places. And then I want to talk about later on that the actual flip side to this, I tried to be in too many places and that had catastrophic effects on me trying to keep up with everything and trying to keep it all aligned and trying to be an expert across different platforms.
0: So is there a happy medium here we need to talk about? Absolutely. Because I did the same thing two years ago when I really wanted to put myself out there. And I I tell a lot of people this, I went from one extreme. So last year, I just hit the wall. I'm like, enough. And I really pushed back. And now I'm back to my happy medium. But yeah, so we went all in on LinkedIn. We do LinkedIn. But I knew early on, this is a great place to be seen, share your expertise. But there's a lot more places out there, yes, LinkedIn is almost approaching a billion probably by early next year, people, but there's so many more people and opportunities to get seen. It is a place you want to have an optimized profile and do all the things right so that the people who come each day to see you are gonna to get to know you, but then you're gonna take them off platform, you're gonna reach out to other people so. Let's break down the ways that you and I do this. I think that would be the best example. For one thing, I think that LinkedIn is a wonderful place to find people. You can be on their podcast or newsletters or the media. These are all places that people are there and can see you, which you can then go off platform and get on their platforms and be in present to their audiences.
1: Podcasting, guesting was a huge part of me building my brand back in the beginning It was something that I did a lot of times before I even had either of these podcasts, That the one that we do together or the one I do myself. But guessing and almost leveraging other people's communities was such a great way to diversify my visibility. The other thing that I did is I looked at it and went, this little thing over here called YouTube, which is the world's second biggest search engine. I don't know if TikTok's taken over that place. At the same time, everybody goes there for answers. If I'm not there, that seems like it's an own goal, that I'm missing out on something. And so that's why YouTube made sense to me as a place that would supplement what I was doing on LinkedIn, would back it up, but find new audiences and generate brand awareness. Now, I'm only just starting to put enough effort into that to see people coming back my way from YouTube. That's been a bit of a journey, but that was also because bit off more than I could chew tried to be everywhere at once because people said don't put all your eggs in one basket make sure you're on Twitter and Instagram and Clubhouse and this and that and I just was like I don't even like these other platforms what am I doing and so pairing all that back and especially I don't even have a Twitter login or all this other stuff now I can do the other things and what do you know it works so much better when you focus who would have thought
0: One of the things, too, is when you're splitting all your efforts, your time and all these other social platforms, they're not your platforms. And when you want to just cross the board, go to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I mean, that just doesn't make any sense. Like early on two years ago when Clubhouse was a thing, I had a show for nine months and then I did LinkedIn Mastery. That was nice. I met people. But again, not your own area, not your own platform. So of course, I really think you should have your own website. I tell clients all the time, you're putting brilliant stuff out there. It's just disappearing. Take that stuff. Let's archive it. We can put it in an email newsletter. You can record it like for an audio event or a podcast. You can put it on Medium. There's so many other places to put it out there. So the content especially is your asset. And if you're just letting it just flow like the wind and disappear, that's a sad thing because you have a lot of expertise that needs to be out other places on the internet.
1: For us, we also wrote the LinkedIn branding book together. That's another place that we show up for people. Now, writing a book may not be on everybody's list, or there might be some listeners that are curious about why bother putting so much effort into creating a book. And For me, I think I was always drawn, whilst it wasn't my idea on the first book, when Lanier reached out to me and I was a bit like blown away going, what do you mean you want me to write a book? How how the heck am I going to write this thing? But yeah, sure, I'll go along for the ride. But it was also because my preferred learning style is reading. And so I don't naturally go to YouTube to learn things. I would rather read an article or a step-by-step how-to instruction, and it's probably over time that as a creator creating my brand, I realized that everyone consumes my content differently. So YouTube's not for me, but it's a huge audience. That's where people go to find answers. I love reading books. So of course, writing ones seem to make sense. And then there's the podcasts, which are a huge part of what you and I do. But again, I'm on record so many places. I don't like listening to them. Now, that's slowly changing. I have to admit that if I'm in the car, I tend to put them on or maybe if I take Dixie for a walk. But I just got present to the fact we all learn differently. And I've got to create my brand in different styles for different people. And yeah, it's been an interesting journey down that path.
0: I remember back early in 2021, I was talking about I was going to launch a podcast and I was trying to get you to do it back then. You didn't do it till much later. You were very hesitant on it.
1: I did it because you told me I needed one and you'd started yours. And I was a few months, definitely a few months behind yours. And, you know, it's still going. But I had no idea what I was doing. It was just one of those things. I did it too early for all the wrong reasons. I figured it out along the way, which is fine. Again, I'm gracious around my journey. I've done the best that I can do. I'm pretty proud that I worked out how to create podcasts by myself. But the thing was, it was another way that I realized when people kept saying, do you have an audio book? And I was like, I can think of nothing worse than listening to me talk about whatever's in the book or listening to my voice. And I was like, why would anyone want that? And now podcasting is such a cornerstone to what I do. There's no way I would have ever thought that back when we (laughs) first started
0: talking. I love that. Another thing you've changed your mind on I started my podcast two years ago as a LinkedIn live show, and it does have 52 episodes. It's currently on hiatus, but by the time you're listening to this, hopefully you will find that it is active again. But essentially, I like to write. I do like to write and do content, but to do blogs, in my mind, if you've followed the show, you read the book, I'm the classic perfectionist, overthinker, over analyzer, over editor. I can't stop. Like, it's a disease. So I knew, hey, if I just speak it out, that will actually work a lot faster. That was the idea, right? So I love podcasting. On those walks, I always talk about, I'm listening to a podcast. In fact, I actually prefer listening to a podcast than an Audible book. And I have quite the collection of Audible books. But the thing about it is, you can take the content that you have on LinkedIn and just do a quick anchor podcast. Now it should be on brand and everything, but if you've got some ideas, you can just talk that out into a solo show. So think of that, all the stuff that you're creating on LinkedIn, how can I reuse it? How can I repurpose it? It shouldn't be a one-hit wonder is what I always like to say.
1: I think there's also an element when you're on LinkedIn, diversifying your visibility for me means different content formats. So it could be posting obviously in the home feed or it could be LinkedIn audio or LinkedIn lives like you've just suggested. But there's also don't forget to not rely on the algorithm, hit that search bar or hit the DMs and not just the algorithm of the home feed, I should say, to be clear. There's algorithms all the way through LinkedIn. The search bar is a place I don't think people use enough. I think we sit there and just get pretty complacent with what pops up in the feed and just take what we're served. But being proactive in the search bar is something that I definitely encourage my clients when we're doing LinkedIn training. I'm like, if you don't learn how to leverage this thing, you are going to get stuck in an echo chamber and just see the same stuff day in, day out. And we know that's never good. That wears off very quickly. But also sending direct messages and being proactive, not just reactive to what happens to get served to you. So I think there's lots of different ways that we can do this on LinkedIn, off LinkedIn. Just some actionable tips for people, Michelle? Because I know you do a lot of work with your clients, PR as well, not just specifically LinkedIn what else can people be doing to build their visibility?
0: I think one of the easiest ways, if you're dialed in and you have a subject area that would be really interesting to a certain podcast and helpful to the audience and be an expert at media. So there's a lot of different ways you can do PR in itself. I'll put three links in the show notes, some places you can go and see where the media are asking for expert advice. Case in point, you're going to be fed those every day, sometimes twice a day. It's a strategy in itself, but that's a wonderful way. I've gotten several media mentions that way. If I'm just looking and I'm in the subject matter expert for that, you go and put a pitch, you're not always going to get it, but it's a way to totally get your name out there. Now, I think when you're ready, there's a good way to be very proactive on pitching podcasts. But Michelle, that's another story in itself, because I'm sure You have been pitched quite a bit on your solo show, and they're probably 99% are really garbage pitches. Is that what you agree on? 99% are probably really bad?
1: Yeah, I ignore them. Like Mm -hmm. for people that use those third party agencies to reach out to try and get a guest spot on my podcast, I ignore them. They're obviously not part of my community. They're never really aligned with what the show's about. I think people just see B2B in the title and just go, oh, it's close enough. It's good enough. And I think that damages those guests that they want on the show. I think it damages their brand. And I've reached out to some of them. I said to one of them, I was like, by the way, do you know that when this agency sent out the request to me for you to come on my podcast that they called you a she? And he was like, sorry about that. But the missed opportunity for this guy was the fact that you're now talking to the podcast host. I've reached out to you to let you know this has happened. And he didn't say, hey, tell me about your podcast. There was no connection. I got a second email from this silly agency that had the spelling error corrected. I was like, you have just missed the opportunity. You have missed the whole point of why you would want to be on my podcast, which is why I don't accept them from those places. To me, it's like a numbers game. There's no strategy. And that doesn't work on my side because I only want the best of the best guests on my podcast. I don't want some random that I'm like, who are you and why does it matter to me and my audience? I'm pretty protective of them. I only want the best of the best guests of which you were one just this week. Most Um, hosts
0: are like that, Michelle. It's common sense, right? You would think when these PR agencies, but I'm getting off topic here. But essentially, there are so many ways to get mentioned. You can write articles. There are so many media and online publications, big, small, industry-related, and I really suggest starting in your industry is a perfect way to get really targeted. There are so many out there that just really need help. Now, I want to caution, please don't pay for it. There's so many that you can either pitch them or you can write for them, but do not pay to play. I'm sure, Michelle, you get pitched all the time in the DMs, hey, for $2,000, you could be the cover of this or write this article always like to say, I'm sorry, but I like to get my PR for free. I don't have to pay it. Those are just a lot of different ways. We'll have another episode, maybe someday down the road, but there are so many ways to, of course, stay on LinkedIn because it is our launching pad. It is a platform where all the fish essentially are coming right where everyone's going to see you. But doesn't mean you need to stay there. You need to go off and do bigger things with LinkedIn as your launching pad. But never leave it because we would never encourage you to leave LinkedIn, right? We wrote the LinkedIn branding book. We do the LinkedIn branding show because we know it is a place essentially to start conversations, to build your community, to build your credibility, to have clients, collaborations, all of the things.
1: I would say my actual tip is probably short and sweet. Just go to the search bar, type in a keyword for your industry or something that's of interest to you and see what new things pop up. It's time to get out your bubble. It's time to get out of your echo chamber. It's time to see what else is happening out there. So take control and go and find a whole new realm of people. There's nearly a billion people on the LinkedIn platform. Chances are you're only seeing like probably 50 to 100 max And making sure that you can discover new people is an important part of the process. So that's going to be my actionable tip that I personally need to also take because I've discovered that I want to do more work here with Australians. And my audience that shows up in the feed, I can't find any Aussies or very few Aussies. And so it's time for me to do some proactive work to get visible by this audience. So I'm going to take my own medicine. It's been fabulous as always, Michelle. But yeah, things are going good. I think we're both in a happy place with our brands at the moment. We hope everybody else is as well.
0: Oh, yeah. We know in the next several episodes we're going to be launching Operation Rebrand and we're going to have a party. I think it deserves a party because we've been talking about it for six months, probably. So, who knows what we'll have in store. But yeah, so at the end of the day, just know you are here on LinkedIn for a reason, but it is not the only place you can get your amazing expertise, your message, and your impact out there, right, Michelle? So, today we want to hear from you. If this episode really resonated, can you please send us a DM and let us know because we are going to cheer you on. And also, if you are really inspired. We'd love and be honored if you could give us a rating or review so we can actually get this out to even more people right on LinkedIn. That's why we're here. That's our mission. And that's why we show up every single week. Michelle, until then, we're going to have the big party coming up soon. Hold on, we'll be announcing that. But until then, keep putting yourself out there. You have a brand to build, a business to grow and people to impact. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Cheers.